Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all here this morning. Um, I'm seeing a few new faces here, so just wanted to quickly introduce myself. Uh, my name is Pastor Matt. I'm the lead pastor along with my wife, Tanya. We get to serve alongside of Pastors Mike and Ev, and we are so excited to have you join us this morning. Thank you for being here on this very special Father's Day. We want to welcome all those online as well. Thank you for joining us this morning. I wanted to just mention one thing before we dive into the sermon today. You may have noticed that we had a new worship team member up with us this morning. And I just wanted to introduce somebody. Um, this, it, you, you just stand up and wave real quick. I'm going to embarrass you for just a sec. This is Kareem, everybody. And, and Kareem is just, he's a man of God. I've gotten to know him over the last few months. Uh, we've been doing coffee together and a few times, and I just love his heart. And he's offered to come and help us with worship every once in a while. So you may see him up here sometimes. Uh, we will probably have him lead a few services as well. Uh, so this is very exciting, church, and we're so grateful. Thank you for being here this morning. Just wanted to honor you. Man of God, thank you for being here this morning. It's awesome. Right on. Well, without any further ado. Let's dive into it this morning. Church, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to conclude our sermon series on facing fear. And this morning, for those of you who have not been with us, we've been going through a series uh, talking about various fears that we face in our lives and how through the power of Jesus Christ we can face our fears. We talked about the fear of anxiety. We talked about the fear of, of finances. We talked about the fear of insecurity. We talked about the fear of, of chaos. We talked about the fear of our past, the fear of our future. Uh, we talked about the fear of failure. But this morning, uh, as we continue this series, we're going to shift a little bit. And this morning, the sermon is entitled, Simply Facing Fear facing fear. And how we're going to dive into this this morning is rather than talk about it in the negative sense, this morning we're going to talk about something that I mentioned at the very beginning of this series, is what that fear in itself is actually neutral. It's neither good or bad unless it's taken to an extreme in a bad way. And this morning I want to talk to you about how can we redeem fear? How can God redeem fear? And how can fear be a positive thing in our lives? And how we're going to do this, we're going to turn in our Bibles this morning to our text which is Psalm chapter 27, and we're reading from verse 1 through verse 5. And I'm reading from the New King James in this, in this passage, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into this this morning, and then, I don't know, some of us, I think, might be doing some cool Father's Day stuff today. So we're going to get you out of here on time. Amen? All right, Psalm chapter 27, verse 1. Oh, I love this. Here's what it says, the Psalm of David. The Lord is my light, and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumble and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me. In this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me and he shall set me high upon a rock. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, we're grateful this morning that your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, that it divides between the soul and the spirit and discerns to the intents of the heart. And Father, this morning we come under the authority of your word, and we pray that you would give the preacher, Lord God, the words to say 
Father God, I pray you'd give me unction to speak your word with authority and with grace and with power. Father, help us to be clear. Help us to be concise. Lord Jesus, and I get out of the way. God, I say come do whatever you want to do in this place this morning, that people's hearts would be changed and that the word of God would be planted in us. We ask it now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So when we look at this idea this morning of fear as a positive, what do I mean by that? Is fear actually, could it actually potentially be a positive? How, how could that possibly be? Oftentimes when we think about fear, we think about it in the negative sense. And in fact, the way that we've been communicating it over the last seven Sundays has really been about how to face the negative aspects of fear. But what we actually know about fear is that it is a, a naturally occurring emotion that God has given us. It's something that God has given us to protect us in many cases, Without fear, we would do some pretty silly things. How many know that it's healthy to have a proper fear? And when we approach this subject of fear and we try to look at shifting our perspective from a negative to a positive, I think one of the ways we can do that is through the questions that we ask. Typically, as we've been communicating this series, we've been asking a lot of what-if questions. You know, like, what if I'm not good enough? What if I can't face this? What if I'm overwhelmed? What if, what if, what if? And then last week was just the open-ended, what if? But I think what we need to do is we need to shift that question from what if to who shall I fear? We need to switch from a what question to a who question. And the question this morning that is asked in this passage that we just read is, whom shall I fear? That changes the entire conversation. When we ask that question, it changes the way that we can view fear. And how many know that fear is not always negative? There's times where it's healthy to be fearful. And it's, there's times where it's actually healthy to have a, a, a healthy fear of those in authority over us. Um, in light of Father's Day, let's use that as an analogy this morning. How many here have ever said this statement? I would, but my dad would kill me. Anybody ever said that? Right? I mean, come on. Like, we might say, um, I would use the skill saw without my dad's permission, but my dad would kill me. Right? Obviously not realistically. I would take the car without asking, but my dad would kill me. I would dropkick my sister, but my dad would probably kill me. I would stay up all night, but... Dad would kill me, right? I would dye my hair pink, but dad would probably kill me. I would ride this skateboard down these stairs, but my dad would kill me. You see, when, when you have a healthy fear of somebody, if you, when you have a healthy fear of an authority figure, it can actually help you to keep you from making a bad mistake. When you have a healthy fear and you're aware of some issues that could be coming up, it can actually keep you from doing something that might be harmful or potentially painful. You know, it's like having a little bit of fear when you go into an investment situation. You have a healthy awareness of the risks that are involved so that you can make a good decision rather than just an emotional one. A little bit of fear isn't necessarily a bad thing. And often, fear triggers a fight or flight response, a reaction to something. Um, in psychology today, they say this, the, the, the fight or flight response is an automatic psychological reaction to an event that is perceived or stress, as stressful or frightening. 
The perception of threat activates the sympathetic nervous system and triggers an acute stress response that prepares the body to fight or flee. When fear comes, it demands your attention. It demands you to look in a direction and pay attention and be aware and be ready to respond. Your body is heightened and ready. And here's the reality. Whatever you fear, you will focus on. And intense fear causes intense focus. Here's the truth. What you fear, you will focus on. What you focus on, you will worship. And what you worship will be your God. Think about that. What you fear, you will focus on. What you focus on, you will worship. And what you worship will be your God. So here's the big question. Whom shall I fear? Now listen, I know in context, David is actually saying here, I I don't need to be afraid, or why should I be afraid is really what he's saying. But I think the question is a good question. I think the question requires a response. And it is, whom shall I fear? See, it's interesting that the Bible constantly tells us not to fear. According to Google, which is always right, um, Do not be afraid is written 365 times in the Bible. That's one for every day of the year. Do not be afraid. Okay, that's what the Bible tells us. But at the same time, it counterbalances that by telling us that we need to fear the Lord. So the Bible says, do not fear. What? But it does say, fear the Lord. Who? Now remember... What you fear, you will focus on. And what you focus on, you will worship. And what you worship will be your God. So if you fear over here, it demands your focus and attention. And it causes you to worship. And what I mean by worship means to give, uh, 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 to give reverence to and awe to, to, to put it in a preeminent position in your mind and in your life. And then that becomes the thing that you follow and that you worship. But if you go over here, whom shall I fear? What you fear, you will focus on. And what you focus on, you will worship. And what you worship will be your God. The Bible says do not fear, but then it says you have to have the fear of the Lord. Now, what is the fear of the Lord? It's kind of a weird concept when we're talking about the idea of fear. And my favorite way to, to, to give a, um, a, a context to this, to put it into a category, is, is a simple definition that I heard a long time ago when I was a young man. And there's a guy by the name of Judah Smith that used to say this, the fear of the Lord is a constant awareness of his presence. What you fear, you will focus on. What is the fear of the Lord? It is a constant awareness of his presence. In that sense, it is not a dread, but an awareness. It is not a, a sense of, oh my goodness, I need to be afraid of this, and I need to, to fight, flight, what do I need to do? No, 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 it's an awareness of his presence that overwhelms this stuff over here. Do you see that? It's an awareness of his presence a constant awareness of his presence. And what does this, this awareness of his presence, what does it produce in our lives? Here's what it produces. I got, um, uh, I believe I got, uh, I just pulled up it's eight things that it produces from the scriptures. Number one, it produces true wisdom. 
Job 28, 28, and this is what he says to all humanity. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. Number two, it produces goodness. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. The next thing is protection. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all those who fear him. What is it? Aware of his presence. Focused on him. Uh, Joy. Psalm 112, verse 1, praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Number five, refuge. Uh, Proverbs 14, 26, those who fear the Lord are secure. They will be a refuge. He will be a refuge for their children. Number six, riches, honor, and long life. A true humility and fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, and a long life. Number seven, mercy. So he shows mercy from generation to generation to those who fear him. Number eight is confidence. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. The question is, whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? And to illustrate this idea today, we're going to go back to the Bible one more time to a story from the book of Mark, chapter 4. We're going to read this story. I'm pulling out one point from this story, and then I'm going to pray for you today because I want to show you what this looks like in real life. Are you with me? Let's make this really practical this morning. The fear of the Lord. What you fear, you will focus on. What you focus on, you will worship, and what you worship will be your God. Here we go. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. I'm reading it from the New Living Translation. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, and the disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the winds and waves and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped. And there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Okay, so here's the story. The disciples have been um, told by Jesus, instructed by him, to get into a boat and to cross over to the other side of the sea. And as they're in the boat, the storm rises up. And again, let's remember who these disciples are. Many of them are fishermen. They are aware of the sea. Uh, they have been through storms before. You can, you can only anticipate uh, since they had spent much time on the sea. They are, um, uh, 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 they are sailors. These are people that know the sea. So this is nothing new for them. So when they say that the waves are coming up and the wind is coming against them, this is real wind and real waves. And there is a real possibility of just awfulness in this situation. There is a real possibility of destruction in this situation. And they turn to Jesus and they say, don't you care that we're going down? And Jesus turns, speaks to the winds and waves, calms the storm, and then turns to the disciples. And it says, and then they were terrified. Now church, how many know that there are going to be storms that we're going to face in our lives? What about the diagnosis that you didn't want to hear? 
What about the market dropping? What about the cost of living increasing? What about that relationship that you thought was going to work out, but just hadn't seemed to work out? See, we all know that there's going to be some things that are going to come against us. We talked about this last week that are going to induce fear. There are going to be things that are going to come against us that are going to cause us to question who we are in him. And we're going to ask a lot of what if questions. Well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And what if this happens? And this is where the disciples find themselves at the beginning of this story. As they're in the storm, as they're looking up at the storm, they're looking up at the waves and they're starting to think, well, what if this gets bigger? And what if this comes against us? Until they move past what if into a full-on panic. And the fear is real. But Jesus is in the boat. And so they turn to him in, in panic and in terror and say, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus turns and he calms the storm. And then I love how it says, and then the disciples were terrified. Why were they terrified? Because they realized that the one in the boat was greater than the storm that was around them. Because they realized that the one that was with them in that place was actually greater and could overwhelm the overwhelming what-ifs and potential destruction, and that he was right with them. What you fear, you will focus on. What you focus on, you will give dominion and worship to, and what you worship will be your God. And this is what they did. They turned their what into a who. Whom shall I fear? So how do you do that? What did we just learn from that that can teach us about how do you fear the Lord? And I want to just point out something I never noticed in this passage before as we try to answer that question. At the very beginning of that passage, in Mark chapter 4, verse 36, it tells us something. They took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although some other boats followed them. You know what I never noticed before? They weren't the only ones on the water that day. There were other boats that were around them. Now let's look at this for a moment. What did these guys do that caused Jesus to bring change into that situation? What did they do to make that happen? Did they, did they produce, did they show that they had the fear of the Lord at the beginning of the story? No, they didn't. No, they didn't. So unless, unless you're thinking today, what Matt is saying is that I really need to just ignore my fear. And I just need to focus on Jesus. That, that, that is true, but that's not the whole story here. That's not the whole story. The disciples who are focused on the storm, what did they do different than any of those, of those other boats? They had Jesus in the boat. What did they do different than any other boat that was around them. They had Jesus in the boat. The, the Bible, would, I love how real it is. I love how it doesn't just try to candy coat it. I love how it doesn't just show us like perfect people. You know, like the story could have been like the disciples were in the boat and Jesus is with them. And, and so the storm's coming up and this is how it's written. Um, and then the disciples noticed that the waves were getting larger. But they were not concerned because they knew that Jesus was in the boat with them. Peter calmly turned to Jesus and said, well, disciples, I feel like at this moment would be a good moment for us to wake the master who will certainly calm the storm because our fear is in the Lord. And so he turned quietly and gently to Jesus, shook him carefully and said, master, 
now would be a good time to wake up. And the master turned to the storm and gently cried out, silence. And all of the disciples rejoiced with gladness because they knew that Jesus was going to calm the storm. That's not how it's written. Listen, there's a real storm. There's a real potential of death. And I love that the Bible tells us they freaked out. Because if you're here this morning and you're freaking out, you're not alone. You're not alone. You say, what is the difference? You see, there was other boats in the area. You know what they were doing, probably? Freaking out. You know what they were doing? They don't even know what's going on in the other boat. And all of a sudden, oh, okay, let's calm down now. All right, we're okay, everybody. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lucas, you okay over there? Yeah, we're good. Okay, good. They have no idea that Jesus has just calmed the storm. You see, the thing that the disciples did differently is they kept Jesus in their boat. What is the key to the fear of the Lord? Is it to change your mindset? Is it to act the, the, the second way that I was showing that the disciples were acting and just pretend like there's no issues, like you don't need to worry about it? No, no, no. There's grace here, church. If you find yourself freaking out, I want you to remember that you have Jesus in the boat with you. You see, you, you, might, you might not be able to work your way through this, but Jesus is there with you. Here's the key, you guys. This is how you get the fear of the Lord in your life. Keep Jesus in your boat. What do I mean by that? Devote yourself for it to him. Don't forsake the assembly of the saints. Keep Jesus in your boat. Do you see that? It's not that you have to have it all figured out even though Jesus is right there. It's not like you, you know, oh man, if I, if I freak out, I must be not being a person of faith. No, 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 no. It's okay to freak out sometimes. It's okay to face these things with reality as they come before us. But just remember that the one who is with you is the greater than the storm that surrounds you. That he is with you even now. Jesus is in the boat. Church, do you see the grace of that? Do you see the grace of that? That it's not on us to work this up. It's not on us to try and figure this out on our own. The question is not what if. The question is, whom shall I fear? And you're either going to fear the storm that surrounds you, or you're going to fear the one who can calm the storm who is greater than the storm. Remember, what you fear, you will focus on. What you focus on, you will worship. And what you worship will be your God. He's with you. He's with you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And how I'm going to close this morning is I'm actually going to go back to that original passage that we read at the beginning. And I'm going to read it to you this morning. Psalm chapter 27. 
See, here's the reality. You're going to face some fear in your life. You're going to face some anxiety. You're going to face some failure. You're going to face some insecurity. You're going to face some fear of finances. You're going to face some fear of chaos, and you're going to face some fear of your past and fear of your future at various times in your life. But the key to overcoming all of that is to keep Jesus in your boat. What do I mean by that? Pursue him. Go after him. Desire him. Because when you need him, he will be there. And here's the thing. Even if you haven't been pursuing him and going after him and desiring him, he is still there. Because his grace is sufficient for you and his strength is made perfect in weakness. Psalm 27. You just close your eyes for a moment and just take this in. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, when my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. Remember what I said, in the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me, he shall set me high upon a rock. Verse 8, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, Lord, your face I will seek. Verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. church, if the fear of the Lord is a constant awareness of his presence, then it would, it would go beyond, it would go without saying that it begins with us pursuing him. It begins with us turning our hearts towards him. And this morning, as you've come to church, as you've taken that step of faith to come here this morning, you're moving in the right direction because there is a God and he does love you and he does have a plan for your life. And he has said you do not need to be afraid. Why? Because the one in the boat is greater than the waves that surround you. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Am I going to fear the waves? Or am I going to pursue Jesus? Am I going to fear the bad report? 
or am I going to put my hope in him? Whom shall I fear? And so this morning, church, just as we close this morning, I wonder if there's anybody here who would say, Matt, I've never experienced this idea of having Jesus in my boat. And in fact, what I'd like to ask you to do just for a moment is just close your eyes, just bow your head. And just in this moment, I'd like to ask if there's anybody here this morning who has never invited Jesus to become a part of their life. The Bible tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love towards us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he's made a way for you this morning. You don't have to live this life alone. You don't have to go through those storms by yourself because there is a God who loves you and desires to know you. And if you're here this morning, you say, I've never heard that message before. Maybe you're online. You've never heard that message before. This morning, your life can change forever. And you can come to know the God who we serve. And his name is Jesus. And if you're hearing this message for the first time today, and you say, Matt, I want to respond to that, and I want to invite Jesus to come into my heart. I want him to be a part of my journey. I want him in my boat. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, just every eye closed just for a moment here. I'd like to invite anybody that's here that would like to do that to raise their hand this morning. Is there anybody here? Is there anybody here? Thank you. Anybody online this morning? We have a prayer team standing by. If, if you would like to respond to that, you can respond on the chat. You can also email in at office at lifechurchwr.com and we'll have a prayer person follow up with you and walk you through this next step in your life. Now the next part here is I want to just ask and just have a few moments here of response. Man, if you're here this morning and you say, Matt, I have been stuck in the what ifs. I've been stuck in the storm, just like the disciples. And again, I love how Jesus, in the, to the disciples, he, he immediately gets up and calms the storm. It's not because of how great they are. It's not because they've got it all figured out. It's because of who he is. And if you're here today and you're saying, Matt, I've just felt so overwhelmed and I've been in a storm and I need to cry out to Jesus this morning. I believe that he's here to meet you. He can calm your storm. If you need prayer this morning and you'd say, Matt, I just, I need, a, I need to respond to that this morning. I'd like you just to invite you to lift your hand wherever you are. Church, is there anybody here that needs that this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. See that hand. Now, why don't we stand, church? And I'm just going to pray for you. And then we're going to glorify God. And we're going to worship Him. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your presence, that you are here. 
We thank you for the grace of God that is flowing in this place, Lord Jesus. And I pray for those who just lifted their hands. God, you saw them. You saw their hearts. Father, you know their situation. And Father, I pray this morning in Jesus' name that you would make a way where there has been no way. Father God, that you would come and work in the situation, Lord Jesus, where they find themselves. God, it starts by crying out to you. It starts by responding to you, Lord Jesus. And I pray this morning in Jesus' name, Lord God, that as they have cried out and responded to you, Lord Jesus, that you would move by your Holy Spirit and you would meet them right where they are. Father, we thank you that you are able and capable, Lord God, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in you. And Father, I pray that this morning, Lord God, there would be encounters with the presence of God. I pray that you would deal with each situation as you know each one, Lord God. And that there would be peace that would come, a peace that passes understanding. In Jesus' name. Father, we glorify you. And we lift you high. And we thank you, Lord, that you're with us now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, church, let's just respond by singing, Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Jesus, you deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Jesus, you deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Come on. 
Help us this week as we go into our weeks, Lord, that we would not get so preoccupied with the what of what is going on in our lives, but we would be able to focus on who, who is in the boat, who is in charge, who is the one that we can build our lives upon. Thank you for that, Lord. Would you help us with that this week, Lord Jesus? Would you help us with that in our weakness? Will we get overwhelmed when life crashes over us? when things just seem too much, could we remember to keep our focus on who you are and fear you, the healthy fear. We would honor you. We would worship you. We would fear you, focusing on you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Our eyes are on you. Eyes are on you. When all else is sinking sand, you are the rock that we build our lives on. Thank you for that this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.